Yo, I come from a small city where nothing is handed. Took my talents and made them work for me. Look where I landed. I know a lot of those out there really don't want me having it. They just mad that I'm creeping on them and they had advantages. See when my voice is on, I let my voice be the change. Put it in these communities, let it give them some range. Let them know that they got a shot at anything they want. And it ain't all about the teaching, but really how they responded to Here on KBLA Talk 1580, we gon' get into it. The whole world on Smiley out of your media. The others tell it, but they truths have some limits. Got some limits. We got that food for soul, now what they feeding you. Yeah. Black lives matter all the time. Yeah, let's talk about it. About the school of prison pipeline. Yeah, let's talk about it. Police brutality out of line. Yeah, let's talk about it. All these thoughts running through my mind. We gotta talk I am about unapologetically it. progressive in efforts to fight for the people. Gotta exercise our voting rights and then push the needle. I'm walking tall, cause I know that y'all expect me to lead. To push the message, I am willing to bleed. I gotta get what I need. That's social reform, that's prison reform. I'm highly informed. Don't put down a pen, I got a list. I can't resist. I preach it till I talk with a list. And who you know gon' give it to you like this? And here on KBL, yeah. they talk 1580, yeah. we gon' get it. We gon' get it. The whole world on Smiley out of your media. Hey. The hey. others tell it, but they truth. Have some limits. Got some limits. We got that food for soul, now what hey. they feeding you? Black lives matter all the time. Yeah, let's talk about it. About the school to prison pipeline. Yeah, let's talk about it. Police brutality out of line. Yeah, let's talk about it. All these thoughts running through my mind. We gotta talk about hey. it. You know, I just embarrassed myself. I did. Was that Howard Hewitt in here just now? No, she just saw me like I was a puppy dog in the window, man. Like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, is Howard Hewitt coming up in here? The second time around. You better bring Howard Hewitt up in here. I got my picture. Y'all should have saw me. I was just embarrassed of myself. Can I have a picture, sir? Shoot. I'm a plaster that on my social. She tripping. Come on, man. I was, you know, I was giving him respect, though. Socially distancing and whole nine. Y'all see it on my socials in a second. Because I'm going to type that up quick. I was hanging out with Howard Hewitt. Howard don't know how many girls... I used to play his music, too, back in my raggedy car, back in my hometown. Thank you, Howard, for at least getting me to second base on a couple of occasions. Sign, boom, Danny Morrison. I'm just saying. Can we get it to <laughs> Yo, they ain't kidding. I'm not, though. Let's go. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, <laughs> if you're still there. Because uh, this is KBLA Talk 1580 Middays with Danny Morrison. And today is another one of those days where a topic of conversation rises from our socials like a rose that grows from concrete. You see, for those unaware, I, along with the multi-talented Maisha Cairo, are the social media correspondents for KBLA and Tavis Smiley. And we always try to find content that is inspiring and thought-provoking at the same time. From pics to memes to videos to links, we work hard to use the KBLA socials as an extended tentacle of the only black-owned and operated talk radio station west of the Mississippi. You know how we put it down. And over the weekend, I posted a pic along with a corresponding message that I thought was heartfelt and uplifting and could be used as the perfect kickoff to everyone Saturday with a little message of love. But little did I know that it would strike the wrong nerve of a few of our listeners out there and spark a conversation that caught me a little off guard. Fertile subject matter for the show today, though. For those that frequent our socials, you probably saw on Saturday uh, a picture of a young king standing in front of a queen that looks to be his mother. The young man is actually holding, ironically, a big white sign, and it says, and I quote, I was a foster child. I lived in 23 homes. It took five years, 11 months, and 11 days to find my forever home. 
Today, I got adopted. End quote. And he even replaced the letter O with a big red heart and the word adopted for added effect. I thought it was beautiful. Alongside that fantastic photo, I placed the caption, congratulations to this young king and this beautiful family. Did you know that black children are abused and neglected at twice the rate of white children and they are more than twice as likely to die as a result of maltreatment than white children? Did you know that as a result, black children are removed from their homes at a higher rate than white children? Did you know that more than half of black adopted kindergartners in the United States are raised by families of another race, usually white? And did you know that there are far more black children that need to be adopted than there are black families wanting to adopt? Please continue to pray for these beautiful children that find themselves in circumstances through no fault of their own. And if you want to learn more about adoption and may be interested in adopting a young king or queen yourself, head to www.AfricanAmericanAdoptionsOnline.com. Hashtag unapologetically progressive. Hashtag KBLA1580. Beautiful message, right? One would think. I thought so. I still do. One that I, I felt really good about sending to my fellow kings and queens out there to kick off a beautiful weekend, right? But you would think I slapped somebody's child or something. You would think that I was one of the, the one that made the hair and costume decisions on BET sisters. Freaking Ty, Tyler Perry out there. You would think that the boy in the picture was the collective seed of every person on our socials or something. A few of us were upset. <laughs> a few of us also sent a few messages asking, who pulled these stats? Where y'all get these stats from? Who cares about why they were taken from the home as long as they're good now, right? And the biggest one, no black child should ever be adopted by a white family. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? No black child should ever be adopted by a white family. Where'd that come from? Am I reading that right? Kings and queens. It's another one of those times where I'm flummoxed by a few members of our own black community and our thought processes as it relates to any issue involving us. For example, I don't understand the thought process behind refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. I don't. I don't understand why we have a hard time buying black and spending our black dollars amongst ourselves. I don't. And I definitely don't understand how we can ever cause harm to one another. How we can bludgeon one another. How we can put a bullet in one another. After watching white slave owners strip our humanity from us for 250 years, after everything we've been through in this country, I have no idea why we would ever have the audacity to harm one another, but that's a different conversation. But this one came out of left field. Apparently, there's a large segment of my African-American population that has issue with white families adopting black children for multiple reasons. Now, before we get into the reasons I'm told this is the case, let me first give you some relevant information that I believe may enhance the discussion today. Child Abuse Awareness Month isn't until the month of April, but considering the topic of conversation today, I want to recognize it today. Launched by the Child Welfare League in 1988, Child Abuse Awareness Month is all for the purpose of creating awareness regarding one of America's perpetual problems, violence against children. And it saddens me that a month, that, that a month like that even has to exist. Due to the fact that children are one-third of our population and 100% of our future, our most valuable resource. 
According to the U.S. Advisory Board on Child Abuse and Neglect, in 1974, there were roughly 60,000 cases of child abuse reported. That number would then dramatically rise to 1.1 million in 1980 and double again during the 1980s to 2.4 million. And now, in 2021, nearly 3 million children will be abused in America this year and more than 1,000 will die from abuse or neglect. And that only accounts for the ones that are reported. It took me back to when I was a teenager living next door to a foster mom. Right next door. A godly elderly woman that made it her life's purpose to rescue as many abused and neglected children as possible. One of those children is my lifelong friend even today. Visiting her home one day, I was excited to meet the newest member of her ever-changing multicolored family. I was told that he was an energetic five-year-old Hispanic boy who had just been brought over by a caseworker. So as I sauntered down the hallway, eager to meet him, he walked from the bedroom and was startled by my appearance. Jumped against the door, recoiled in fear, and frantically began covering his face and head in anticipation of somebody striking him. And it broke my heart. After apologizing profusely, I cringed, and I cried that night. I was barely a kid myself, witnessing the horror of the lingering effects of child abuse in real time. It also gave me a newfound love and respect for caseworkers. No curricula or training could prepare someone for the emotional roller coaster associated with being a child welfare caseworker with child protective services out there. Could you imagine having to maintain some semblance of professionalism when dealing with those adults that have chosen to harm an innocent child? Could you imagine having to put on a brave face and show strength in the most fragile and emotional moments when handling an abused child? Remember, child abuse can be categorized as sexual, physical, or emotional. It's defined as, quote, the purposeful physical injury inflicted on a child by a parent, guardian, or other adult, end quote. Child neglect can be general, severe, or exploitative. It's defined as, quote, any treatment or mistreatment that threatens the child's health, safety, or welfare, end quote. If you suspect that someone is being abused or neglected, please call the 24-hour child abuse reporting hotline at the L.A. County Office of Child Protection right now at 800-540-4000. 800-540-4000. You can anonymously file a report, but you'll have to provide as much information as possible with regard to the situation. Child's name, parent's name, address, phone number, and the reason why you are concerned. Your identity will be kept strictly confidential, though. Quote, Survivors of abuse show us the strength of their personal spirit every time they smile, end quote. Empowerment author Jean McElvaney said that. I hope I'm saying your name right, sweetie. And by the way, if you've ever seen the official Children's Memorial flag, I was looking at it last night online. It shows the bright blue doll-like figures of five children standing side by side, holding hands against a red backdrop. The sixth child is in the center, the sixth child, represented by a thin white chalk outline. That image symbolizes a child that has been lost to violence. As I looked at that flag online last night, I prayed that the statistical numbers of abused children descend. 
I also pray for the caseworkers out there who fight each and every day for the health, safety, and welfare of the Los Angeles County child. And I can admit that I don't possess the patience nor the temperament it would take to be an effective caseworker myself. I'm not that strong. But my hat goes off to the angels on earth who have devoted their lives to protecting the innocent among us. The kids need you. We need you. And God bless every single one of you out there. You are appreciated. But back on topic. And now that I've told you some backstory on why African-American children may be placed up for adoption, let me give you some additional figures regarding the activity. Huh? According to AdoptionCouncil.org, and I quote, African-American children only make up 14% of children in our population in the U.S., but they make up 23% of the adopted children population. Also, each day, 18 African-American babies die before their first birthday, a total of 6,570 per year. Also, while 35% of adopted uh, of children adopted through foster care are black, only 27% of children adopted through foster care live in black households. And there's a colorism element to this entire conversation, too. I know you're shocked, right? Did you know that dark-skinned black children actually cost less to adopt than light-skinned black children? as they are often ranked by social workers and the public as less preferred. According to Washington University Law, Law School professor Kimberly J. Norwood, she said, and I quote, in the adoption market, race and color combine to create another preference hierarchy. White children are preferred over non-white. When African-American children are even considered, the data suggests that there is a preference for light-skinned and biracial children over dark-skinned children, End quote. And we are just as guilty. A 1999 study on the Institute of Black Parenting showed a Los Angeles adoption agency, by the way, showed that as many as 40% of the African-American couples expressed a preference for a light-skinned or mixed-race child regardless of their own complexion. Think about that for a second. You could be a dark-skinned African-American couple asking for a light-skinned baby. Yeah. Maybe black people can be racist against ourselves. So now that I've sprinkled your inner ear with all this information, I want one of my beautiful listeners to tell me why anyone would have a problem with a white family adopting an African-American child. I'm listening. Especially if they've been through some form of abuse. I'm listening. I want someone to actually add a stones to criticize what might be a good white family, by the way, for rescuing a young king or queen from abominable circumstances and trying to give them some semblance of normalcy in their lives. And look, I'm not stupid. I somewhat understand it. Our relationship with the Caucasians isn't exactly in a good place in 2021, and to see them extend their maternalistic and paternalistic tentacles into the youth of our communities could make it cringe on occasion. It can be seen as a referendum on us as a community. I totally get it. I also understand that some of us are afraid that white families won't take the time to introduce that young king or queen to their people, immerse them within the fabric of the African-American culture. Some of us are afraid that Keisha will be dancing to Taylor Swift songs in the middle of a bedroom with Selena Gomez posters on her wall rather than dancing to Meg the Stallion with Janae Aiko posters on her wall. I get that. But I've said multiple times on this broadcast, and I will say it again. You will probably hear me say it multiple times on my show today. We need an all-hands-on-deck approach to save the young black youth in America. 
Judging by the statistics, there aren't enough black families out there that are willing to throw their hats into the ring to save a foster child. And if the Brads and Beckys are willing to do it themselves, then I accept that with open arms. And I think it's unfair for any of us to criticize them by criticizing from the sidelines. Which, by the way, we like to do sometime, don't we? In conclusion, I want to give love to anyone that has made the godly decision to adopt a child. Any child, for that matter. I honestly believe that you have done, if you've done so, you will be blessed abundantly here on earth and even further riches in heaven when you get there. And to the kids out there that have been abused and neglected and are constantly looking for answers, I need you to understand that it is never your fault for what you're going through. I know you tend to sit in that room all by yourself wondering why this is happening to you. I'm here to report to you today, it is never your fault for going through the strife that you're going through at this present time. There is no such thing as a bad child, especially you. And I'll be praying that you find a home that will understand your struggles, be patient with your transition, and help you grow into the king or queen you were always meant to be. But that's just me. Tell me what you think, L.A. Huh? Serious discussion today. Because uh, I'm disappointed in us sometimes. It seems like there's a number of us, not all of us, there's a number of us that always look for the problem. Even when a solution is being offered, we try to find a problem for the solution. That bothers me. This is one of them times. Are you okay with white families adopting black children? No. I want to know from you. But give me something tangible today. Don't come in here with nonsense. Give me something tangible today. What is your first thought when you see white families and a black child? And if you have concerns, what is your main concern when it happens? And why don't your concerns go away if you know that a child has been abused and needs some form of love, shelter, perhaps a permanent family? Also, what is the deal with us African-Americans not being willing to adopt our own children? Is it financial? Is it cultural? Were you as surprised as I was that darker-skinned black children are adopted at a lower rate than lighter-skinned children? Even with our people. What is that about? And lastly, do you know anyone, any white families out there that have adopted a black child? Perhaps you were that family. Perhaps you were that child. And what advice would you give to anyone that is considering adoption in the future? Is it as complicated a process as some say it is? Or is the struggle worth it in the end? I would hope so. Holla at your boy. Your voice to change. Your voice to community. Your voice is on 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. You can also stream us via the brand new KBLA streaming app on your app store, iOS or Android. It don't matter. And that same app allows you to send me your questions and comments that I will answer live at different intervals throughout the broadcast. Plus, like, share, and follow your favorite radio station live on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KBLA1580. Feel free to follow me at Danny Mo Show on those same platforms, 2 plus. Me and my midday partner in crime, Miles, will take your comments via the ecosystem of our social network and check this out. When we come forward, another seven series to add to the topic of conversation. Listen, you've heard me criticize those of us that want to castigate white people that take the time to adopt black children. However, while we sit on the sidelines and refuse to do it ourselves, this is a, a sadly a trend for us as a people. There are times where we sit on our collective perches and throw stones, but not having the collective stones ourselves to follow through and get the job done. We're going to keep it real up in here today or not. And today I'll give you a few examples. 
My seven series today is seven instances where we African-Americans tend to take the lead, need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. Yeah, long title. It makes sense today though. Adopting black children will be a good start. Huh? But there's plenty more where that came from. Trust and believe. It's the Keep It Real Conversation today. Add to the conversation with your phone calls when we come forward. Welcome to Middays with Danny Morrison on Unapologetically Progressive KBLA Talk 1580. We got a lot to talk about. Let's ride. Middays with Danny Morrison continues when we come forward. History is now, and you are part of it. Thank you for spending your days with KBLA Talk 1580. Let's jump back into the conversation. We've got a lot to talk about. Talk we about. are black in a spot on another episode of Midday's Danny Morris, the KBLA Talk 1580. We're discussing whether or not you have issue with white families adopting black children. I've heard every reason we got a problem with it under the sun, especially this morning. Let's go to the phones real quick, though. Remy is on the phone. Remy, give me your height, your color, and your hood. <laughs> Good afternoon, fam. Good afternoon. Um, Come on, go ahead. So, <laughs> Height, color, hood, Remy. Come on, queen. Not skin. Um, but speaking on the question. Yeah. Who? <laughs> cauc- very Caucasian. Okay. And they opened their doors in their home because, you know, unfortunately at the time they couldn't have kids, so they thought. And the first child they adopted through the foster system was a young queen who was beautiful, thriving in the home, being exposed to different opportunities. And like you question, I have the same, ooh, you know, I hope they raise this young queen right and in the culture and expose her to things that she needs to be exposed to. They later adopted, through the foster system, a young Hispanic, their son, a Hispanic child. Same thing. Until we stop and start having the needed conversations within our communities where we address the colorism in communities of color, then this is going to be an ongoing barrier that our children are going to have to fight through because we as adults can't get through it ourselves because we're too quick to say, you're too light-skinned, you too dark-skinned. Oh, don't stay out in the sun too long. We don't want you to get too dark. Um. We need to have those conversations, and it's historically conversations that have been passed down, the ideologies have been passed down of colorism within our own communities, let alone what society puts up in front of us. It's within our own cultures. It's it's within the Hispanic culture. It's within the African-American culture, and I'm sure other uh, communities of culture as well. Okay, so, Remy, Remy, hold on, hold like on. Said, Remy, are you busy right now? So no, I'm good. Okay, can you hold on through news and traffic because this is too rich a conversation to let go. I want to give you time. Can you hold on? Oh, All right. sure. We will come back to Remy because uh, that's just too good. We got to have an extended conversation on that topic. Exactly. News and traffic right now. We will come back and talk about adopting African-American children on the other side. Middays with Danny Morrison. Stay there. Making your middays meaningful. More of Danny Morrison straight ahead. We know you stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. You were checking out Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. A lot of DMs coming in. We'll get to those throughout the show. But on the phone right now, we've got Remy. Remy and I were having a conversation about black children being adopted by white families. And she got she got into the discussion on colorism, 
on how we have colorism within our own communities and the fact that not only white people, black people as well, don't like to adopt darker-skinned black children just because they are darker-skinned. How can we get mad at white families for doing exactly the same thing that we do? You were touching on that, Queen. What else were you saying, huh? Welcome back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to the adage of it takes a village. So if we're getting mad at Caucasian families adopting our young kings and queens, then why are we not, as a village, as a tribe, stepping up to the plate to say, I applaud you in your efforts, but let me also support you in your efforts in recommending literature, exposing them to culture, arts, activities, history, etc. So don't get mad when Becky and Kevin adopt, adopt a little, you know, king and queen if you're not stepping up to the plate to support them also. Preach. So this is a long, you know, issue. We can apply that, that ideology to anything. You know, we don't want it in our backyard, or we don't want that next door to us. But when there are so many thousands of kids in the system in Southern California, a child wants a warm, loving, welcome home, regardless of what mommy and daddy look like, like you, you touched on. If they've been through the system, if they've been abused mentally, physically, um, you know, et cetera, all they want is the love and support, regardless of what mommy and daddy now look like. Remy, what do you say to those so, people that are... Willing, what do you say to those people in my DMs right now that are saying black people don't have the necessary resources to adopt a child? That's the reason we don't do it at the rate that other white families do. And I say, aren't there grants and loans and resources available to help you adopt that child? Or am I wrong? I believe there are, but the problem is the system is not exposing our communities to those resources. Mm hmm and that's as they should be. So if we want to see more children looking like us or a reflection of us in homes, then the system, DCFS, the county, et cetera, needs to say, hey, here are the resources. And not only just say, oh, we have it in the center, but go into our communities, go into the churches, go into the community centers, um, the shelters, whatever the situation may be, um, to say, here are the resources. If you are interested in adopting, here are the resources. Here are the necessary steps. Here's how we can help you get a child in need into your home. Yeah, yeah very well said. So many of us often think that I don't have the resources. I don't have the extra bedroom. I don't have the extra money to put to feed another mouth at the table. When there are plenty of resources, and like you said, grants and hand up available, for people willing to take in a child. Yeah, so we got to come together as a tribe, as a village, to be exposed to those resources, to demand those resources be open and available to communities of color so that we can make a change to these kings of things. Yeah, if you work for the county and you may be listening to this broadcast, I know a couple of you do because I see you in my emails, uh, it would be great if you could somehow establish something to get that information to the black community so those that are interested can get involved in the process, which just really bothers me in closing, and I'll let you go. Uh, we, like I said, we're always looking for a problem for every solution. We do that in the black community so much. I love us so much, and sometimes I can't stand us. This is one of them times because we see somebody that is neglecting their child in our community not being a good parent, just breaking all the rules, and the child is suffering. We criticize them until kingdom come. 
And so the state comes in or the county or whatever comes in and takes that child. And we are criticizing because they had their child taken. And then a white family comes in, grabs that child and go, we'll raise that child. We'll criticize the white family for coming in and saving that child instead of doing it ourselves. I'm so sick of that kind of thinking in our communities. That bothers me so much. And not only that, but they wired, it's the same people that are stepping up and arguing about, oh, you took away that child. But what was that person doing to the point of the finger, stepping up and say, how can I help that child? Come on. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, man. If you're going to be complaining, I'm like, what about you? You know? That's why when people say, I can't believe that person is doing this. doing." I go, what are you doing? I can't believe that person, that politician is doing. What are you doing? Remy, I appreciate this phone call. Fantastic. By the way, you didn't give us your height, your color, and your hood. It's law. It's law on middays. Height, color, hood, queen. Five, eight, long beach. Five, eight, long beach, light skin. Ah, uh, light skin. The LBC dropped that. Come on. Yay, yay. I appreciate the phone call, queen. Well done. That's the kind of conversation I want to have today, Miles. That's what it's about. Talking about that. On a lighter note, I wanted to tell you, I went and saw Tiana Taylor last night at the Novo. And it was incredible, by the way. You rock with Tiana, man? Oh, uh, I can't say I'm a big subscriber to her music, but I'm a fan of her. Really? Oh, we all. <laughs> I mean, her as a person, her as an individual, her sound, her individuality in this, I like her. Oh, I don't that, necessarily a fan of her music too much. Is that what you're trying to put it as? You're just trying to say that she's not super ultra-duper fine? Is that what you're trying to? No, I mean, she's fine, but I mean, there's a lot more to her than just her music. I like I like everything else besides her music. Yeah, she's a, she's a really, really intelligent, hardworking, a stronger singer than I thought, too. Uh, dancer, the whole nine. Big Sean came out by the way, and it was hilarious. It was cool. It was like, wow, this is this is really really incredible. I'm a Big Sean fan too. So I, yeah. Sean was in a building, man. Braided off. I said, look at this. This is great. It's fantastic. So shout out to everybody. The the crowd was packed. I was in there masked up. Like I uh-uh. no no. I I may be fully vaccinated and masked up, but uh-uh. ain't gonna happen here. <laughs> But check it out. We're discussing uh, whether or not you have issue with white families adopting black children. And uh, the DMs and subsequent conversations I have with our uh, with people always leads back to the culture. When I talk to them, I've noticed like we can go around and around in a circle about black people not adopting black people. But the concerns are usually pretty simple. Like um, I'll get into those concerns. Bring Roger in here. I I definitely need some uh, some male perspective, too. I want the kings and the queens to jump into this discussion today. Roger, give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. Height is 5'9", Cinnamon Brown, from Temecula, the wine country. Temecula, drop it in. You know, Cinnamon Brown, I'm going to use that one. I think I'm about there. Miles, I think you and I are almost (laughs) the same color. We both about Cinnamon Brown, you think? I'm not Cinnamon, brother. I am... uh... (laughs) Mm, I'm sun-kissed, man. That's what I am, brother. Kiss from the, the star right above us, man. <laughs> Sun kissed. Uh, what's going on, Roger? Come on, give me your perspective on this whole hey, thing. Hey, well, look, I, I grew up in a family where my parents took in, uh, uh, you know, uh, day children. My dad worked in the Navy while well, he was in the Navy, and my mom supplemented our family by doing daycare. Well, at one point, she took in uh, a family where the mother passed away. She was a young white mother, and uh, the mother uh, uh, made a, uh, a pact with my mom saying, if I pass away, 
please raise my children. Mm. And so the the girl was, you know, about maybe one year, blonde hair, blue eyes. The boy was a mixed race, but same father. And you know, as and we were we were all in a black family in the in a black neighborhood. The only downside that I think would happen was that because we were such a uh, you know majority black uh, family, well the neighborhood was majority black, is that the cultural experience that my white sister uh, was exposed to was kind of slanted, you know. And and so she you know she hung around with what was there, so uh, culturally uh, that was a kind of a, a difficult situation. But she had the love within the community. She turned into did time, she turn did she turn into a bad baby? Is that who she turned into? What kind of black neighborhood was it? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, well, when I say black neighborhood, South Central, you know, back in the day, you know, it was a good neighborhood, but it was majority black, you know. Okay. And uh, her cultural experience, I felt, was was uh, negated by that exposure. Now, in the long run, I ended up taking care of her daughter. And, and when I took care of her daughter, I was living in Compton. But I knew what my sister had experienced, so I left Compton and moved up to Altadena. All right, Roger, 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 get- Roger, hold that thought. Hold that thought. I want to get more into it because I love where you're going with this. I think I know where you're going, but hold on real quick, okay? one 800 1-800-920-1580, discussing adopting black children regardless of what race you are. Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA Talk 1580, where Black Lives Matter. We know you have options, but thank you, thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back. Welcome back. Everybody black. KBLA Talk 1580. Midday is Danny Morris of KBLA Talk 1580. We are talking about adopting black children, and do you have an issue when white people do it? Huh? Just got a text from my man Norwood, Darrow's New Orleans Grill. Got to get out there and see you again. Might do it this weekend, King. Uh, he says, once upon a time, I volunteered with Big Brothers of Los Angeles for over three years. I would attempt to recruit black men to spend two hours a week with a little brother. M- majority didn't have time. So I went outside of our community to find a man for that boy, and our folks got upset. I was part of a mentors group called Black Men Reaching Back, found by your colleague and my brother, Elston Butler. Elegant Elston did that! Fantastic. Appreciate you, King. We got to bring some of that back. We got some things planned, for sure. But we're, uh, we're talking to Roger right now. Let's get Roger back on the phone. You were saying, Roger, you had... Um, some white siblings in your family. And you said that the experience was may have been a little skewed because you were in South Central. Expound on that, please. Yeah, what, what happened it was that we were kind of known as the black family with the white kids, you know. And uh, But fast forward, uh, my sister, uh, uh, and I called her my sister, and uh, we didn't know what... what colorism was till other people pointed it out to us. I didn't know she was white till other people pointed it out to okay, us. Okay, stop so that, Roger. It. Stop that right now. I didn't know she was white until other people put stop it. I know that's the right thing I'm, to say, a politically correct, but stop it right now. <laughs> well, well, look, I, I'm being real. So so what happened was uh, you know, we, we weren't raised in that kind of vein. 
And uh, when other people pointed it out, uh, that's when the first time I got culture shock, you know. Oh, you're saying you, you knew she was white, but you didn't know it would be a problem for white people to be there. Is that what you're saying? I knew it was a problem for uh, black people that we were raising, uh, my parents were raising a white child in a black neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and and so my parents didn't have that that color. Uh, uh, they didn't have that 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 color issue and it, and as i was being raised up by them i didn't know she was white until somebody else pointed it out to me and i was like maybe 10 years old you know it was other people outside of outside of a home that 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 pointed it out to me and then i i realized well wait a minute she is white you know but fast forward i ended up uh raising her daughter because my my sister passed on and i and i lived in compton so I realized what my sister had gone through because she didn't have that diversity, that cultural experience. So I left my home in Compton, moved to Altadena, you know, to give her that exposure. And that was the best thing that happened to her. She was able to meet people of her own, I hate to say, race, and, and have that exposure. And she did well, as well as my children. So, um so let me say to you, you know, real quick, because we're, we're, we're up against yeah. it here. Let me, let me ask you this, though. What do you say to those black people that say, you know, that's really nice of you to raise that baby girl as your own and put all that stock into these white children. Why couldn't you do the same thing for our community? What do you say to those black people that say that? Well, I, what I say to them, I took in also black children. You know, I had a foster license, so I did the same thing. I, I, I balanced it out. I wasn't just one-sided. So I did take in black children. So... What I say to them, you know, a child is a child. They love. It doesn't matter what color they are. But I think it needs. they need to be into a balanced environment, though. I appreciate it. Roger, thank you so much for the phone call, King. All right? I'm coming out to see you in wine country at some point, okay? Yeah, we, I, just give my number, brother. I'm, I'm here for you. All right, we'll make it happen, okay? Wine country. You sure that ain't the black community sometime? We whining all the time right here. Is this wine country? Is that what? Oh, that's a different type of wine. I'm sorry. What we doing? Are, what, like, what are we doing? Not you, Ma. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's a rhetorical question. Like, what are we doing? We black. Like, whenever we, we see maybe there's some young kings and queens out there that are finally getting some assistance, we criticize that, too. Y'all know me. I beat up white people on the show all the time. I ain't got a problem doing it. But there are some times we just need to lay back in the cut and go, you know what? That's great. That's fantastic. Are they introducing them to the culture or history, hip-hop, and the whole nine? Probably not. What if they don't? Are they in a safe home? Clean? Being able to get an education? Not have any more fear? I mean, come on. We got to meet in the middle somewhere, y'all. That's all I'm saying today. Y'all know I'm all about Black Lives Matter, but sometimes we just, you know, we got to let this one slide, don't we? I don't know. 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580, Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA Talk 1580, where black lives matter. We're listening around the clock, around the clock, around the clock. and your time to be heard is right now. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, we're talking about adoption, talking about adopting black children. Some white families like to do so. And I have got Exhibit A on the phone right now from my hometown. I've known this queen for a long time. She's a singer. She's an actress. She's just one of the most beautiful souls I've ever met in my lifetime. It's not an exaggeration. Her name is Kaylee Mayhall. 
And let's get Kaylee up in it. Kaylee, uh, you know how we do. Give me your height, your color, and your hood, queen. I'm sorry. You said give me your height, your what? Height, color, and hood. You should know when I was back in the hometown. You should know this already. Hi, <laughs> I am five foot ten. I am African American, and I am from Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield, checking in. Yeah, yeah. I'm up against it. I'm gonna drag you after. I'm gonna drag you after news and traffic. But right now, just give me a, like a quick thirty second synopsis on what we're gonna talk about on the other side. Uh, we're gonna talk about how my family just adopted a little a uh, little black kid, and we are. I'm the only act, the only other black person in my family. My family is all white. Yeah, uh, we will talk oh. about that. You should see her family tree. I see your pictures online, and I go, "That is your last name, Crayola?" Because that is like a whole lot of color in one family. I want y'all to hear her perspective because it's definitely rele- relevant today. Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA Talk fifteen eighty news and traffic right now. We get into it on the other side. You know how we do KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. We got a lot to talk about. Don't move. KBLA fifteen eighty Santa Monica. As boys to men, color of love. KBLA Talk fifteen eighty midday. This is Danny Morrison talking about adopting black children. I selected that song because I think, even though it is a song about interracial relationships, I believe. <laughs> Ain't that white woman? <laughs> Danny, that's a white woman. <laughs> is that what that song's about? I see the Becky in you. Is that it? <laughs> that's the remix. All right. Let's get back to Kaylee Mayhall. Call it from my hometown, Bakersfield. L- listen, Kaylee is to me the epitome. She is Exhibit A on adopting black children. Because she has really, really just become a pillar of the community. Can you just give them a little bit of your background, Kaylee, and tell them uh, what your circumstances were coming up? If You don't have to get too specific, but I do want to give them kind of an interpretation on what you went through. Uh, well, I am I'm first generation African-American, so I'm, I'm not adopted, but my dad is from Nigeria. And my mom is from California, so um, I was raised by my mom's side, so her family is all white. Um, My dad's side is all black, so I've had a little bit of interaction with his side and a whole lot of interaction with my mom's side. Um, We have scatterings of, like, Mexican on my mom's side um, and little bits of other ethnicities, but not a whole lot. A lot of it is, is very white, which is totally fine. Um, but we, my mom loved to immerse me in different cultures. And so we loved to travel and she was very open-minded and she was very just, you don't judge somebody on their culture. You don't judge somebody by their color. She saw color and she saw differences, but you don't judge somebody based on that. You judge somebody based on their actions. And so that's just how she raised us. And that's kind of how my family is. Um, and that's, little bit about me and my upbringing and my family right now um just last month um in october so in a couple of weeks it will be official official so i can't get into too many details for privacy purposes but my family um one of my family members has been extensively fostering for years and we have uh, a baby we've had him since he was six weeks old and in january he will be three but 
um, in this month, we will officially have, I'll have a, a new cousin, and uh, he is, he's black. Um, what? No, that's awesome. That's absolutely <laughs> awesome. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's, he's black. He comes from a kind of horrifying background, and my family, uh, my cousins had, had taken him in and fostered him for over two years, and have been really trying to adopt him. And in a couple of weeks, it will be official official and he'll be part of my family. Um, and my family was able to, like I said, they're very open-minded. And the cool thing is that they have been not just a loving and supportive family and a, and a big family, but kind of the horrifying aspect of it is that this, this poor kid has had kind of a bad, um, a bad taste for the African-American community. Ooh. And so every time we had him, so every time he had an interaction with me, he hated me. He would not come around me. And I think it's because I reminded him of his mom. Yeah. Uh, so every interaction that he had with his mom was not good. And it was just at his adoption party was the first time that he was able to sit across from me and play with me. Hmm. And so he, we're finally starting to rebuild his interaction with black people. Uh, cause it was, it was bad. Mm. So, but they were very open with like getting him out and taking him into black owned businesses, like to get his hair cut and learning how to take care of his skin. And so they're very open and we're asking me like, you know, where can we take him to, to do this? Like, cause they want to know, like they, they want him to be appreciative of, of who he is, but also to understand that they are going to be different. See that right there. The so, way that the way that your mom is handling that situation is exactly, I think, is the way that it should be done. Knowing that you're not part of that culture, but your job is to seek out resources to expose that child to the culture, and then everything will take care of itself. And she's done a great job. I know your mama. Your mama great. She flirted with me the last time I saw. Her. But she's <laughs> she's an amazing person. But I see in the pictures and everything that she does with that family. I go, you know what? That's how it's done. So what do you say to those people in closing? What do you say to those people that go, yeah, she's a white woman, though. There's only so much she can do. She can't really expose a black child to the culture, really. What do you say to those people? You know what? I say if you're if you're looking for trouble and you're looking for racism, you're going to find it. Oof. But if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it. I don't totally agree with that, but I see where you're going with it. You know, not in every situation is there racism. I see what you're saying. I'm but. If you look for it, you will find it. Right. Thank you, Queen. Appreciate you. Give love to my people back in B-Town, okay? You know it. <laughs> love it. 1-800-920-1580. Linda, I see you. I love all the perspectives coming in. If this is another one of them shows where I never get to the 7 Series, that's just fine with me. I love the phone calls. Love them. Linda, don't you go nowhere. We're talking about adopting black children today, regardless of what race of family you are. 1-800-920-1580. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. We're riding with Danny Morrison until the wheels fall off. Middays with Danny Morrison continues right now. Right now. Yes, Middays with Danny Morrison, KBLA Talk 1580. Great discussion today. Talking about adopting black children. I mentioned early in the broadcast, inside my opening monologue, I came out on Saturday. Uh, I'm the social media correspondent, one of the two here at KBLA. Post a little something. I was a little king, holding a big old white sign, ironically. A big old white sign that said, hey, I'm finally home. I'm paraphrasing, but finally found a home. 
I've been in 23 different homes in the last three years, which really just brought a tear to my eye. I'm like, wow, 23, really? And he finally standing in front of a queen that finally adopted that cat. I said, that's what I'm talking about. You would think that would just be a beautiful moment for the African-American community, right? Nuh-uh. People start jumping in and did, why we got to talk about why he was needing a home? Why we got to talk about Danny? I'm like, come on, y'all, really? That's what we're doing. Is that what we're doing? We shouldn't do that. Not for that kid. How do you think he feels? Huh? Let's go to the phones. Let's get some more. Let's go. Linda, give me your height, your color, and your hood, queen. This is your Aunt Linda. This is my family. This is the one that always I'm always quoting. Miles? This. Anyway, I'm from Adelanto, California. Drop that. Come on. Five, five. Yeah, come on. Tell them, tell them about it. I am five five grandmother chocolate mocha. <laughs> Give her another one. Come on. That's my family. Come on, dude. That's my Aunt Linda on the phone. That's crazy. Originally from Bakersfield. Come on. But anyway, the reason I'm calling is we when we adopted your cousin, right. we didn't get a preference on whether we wanted him chocolate, mocha, caramel, <laughs> or vanilla. We They just gave to us, and we fell in love with him. He fell in love with us, and we still love him. With his little chocolate self, <laughs> he's our little gumdrop. Dre sexy, Dre sexy. Okay, but let me, let me ask you. But though. they didn't give us a preference. They didn't say, "Oh, well, what color you want?" No, they just handed him to us. But can you take us through the process, oh. though? Because there's a lot of African-American families that go, you know, we don't want to do it. We tried, and there's too much paperwork. There's too much red tape. Is that true? Yeah, it's a lot of paperwork, but it, it's worth it, you know? And even though he kind of went awry, he came back, you know? It's the way you teach him. Anyways, uh, yes, it is a lot of paperwork, but... Praise God, we still got him, and he still got us. He doing his thing. Would you ever consider adopting a white child? Why or why not? Um, I'm not in the mood for any of them. I don't <laughs> care what color they are. I'm talking about back in the day, not now. But back in the, would you have cons- <laughs> if they said we don't have an African American child, but we got a little Brad here? Brad needs a family. Would you ever think about it? Yes, yes, we would have because we at the time we didn't have any children and we was wanting some kids. Right. So we, yes, we, we would have. We had them. <laughs> yeah, we had you guys yeah. every summer. Uncle, is that Uncle Earl in the background but talking? When summer was over, we had to give you back to your mom. Uh, yeah, I've, so. ex- I've explained to my audience that I used to come down here to Los Angeles every single summer. So I know about L.A. I know about the, the, the hip-hop culture in L.A. because I was always on the radio when I came down, me and Andre. Always like checking out uh-huh. K Day back in the day and everything. We, I just miss it so much, and <laughs> I love y'all so much for taking in your boy, bringing me down here. Cause I had to get out of Bakersfield during the summer. It's 120 degrees down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Last question, and I will let you go. Can you please okay. give some advice to those black families out there, black people in general, that are criticizing white families for adopting black children? Well, Danny, I feel they need to be quiet 
because if they're not going to jump in and help, then you need to be quiet. You need to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Let that go. Let that go. Uncle, Uncle Irwin would chime in on that. Let it go. If you're not going to adopt, you're not going to help, you're not going to foster, then you need to zip it. Mm. Be quiet. Yep. See, that's my family. Y'all see, that it, it runs in the family, right? I know I'm not. No, look, part of the reason I think I'm here in Los Angeles right now and I got some of the talent that I do is because of y'all. Like, y'all loved on me hard. And Uncle Earl was sometimes too hard. We won't get into that on national radio. But, uh, <laughs> but I just love y'all so much. Y'all always got a special place in my heart. And uh, God bless y'all. Thanks for calling, too, Ellen. Oh, you're welcome. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> y'all see that's the blood right there that's that's the andrews blood that runs in through my system that's you know we always gonna have some attitude we gonna have some honesty we always tell it like it is that's just how we get down but uh we were talking about uh white families adopting black children and i was mentioning how the dms and the subsequent conversations i have with our people always leads back to the culture right yeah we can go around in a circle and talk about how black people aren't adopting black people but the concerns are usually pretty simple they assume that those people won't introduce the kids to our culture they won't be respectful of our history and they won't be able to explain to them with experience that black lives matter you can say it on paper you can say what your opinion is, but you can't say it with experience unless you're black. It's a black thing. They'll never understand, right? And I agree with every ounce of those concerns, but I will push back a little bit on those concerns by saying this. I'm sure you don't want black children having to bounce home to home in foster care. If a white family can alleviate that, let's go. I'm sure you understand that a child that never achieves stability throughout their adolescence likely will suffer from some emotional struggles later on as an adult. You know that, right? Which will become a larger problem for you and all of us in the black community later on, potentially. Some white people can alleviate that. And I'll also give you this. If they are indeed a good white person, even though we are still, I think, day by day trying to construct what an actual good white person is, we'll get there eventually. Isn't adopting a black child proof that black lives actually matter at least a little bit to that family? You disagree with that? In most cases. Now, I'm not naive to assume that every single white family that adopts a black child knows that black lives matter, because let's keep it real. Some get them as a pet. Let's keep it real up in there. Some say, look at us. Some say, look at us. We adopted a black child. And you see them in the family pictures and they're like, look at us. We are so progressive. Hey, all white people that know us, get in our DMs and tell us how great we are. Like our pictures. Share our pictures. So tell the world that this white family is pushing America forward. I know that. Don't trust me. I ain't naive. Just believe that. that. Come on, I'm stupid. However, we got to give some credit to some of those families that go, We're, there's a need we want to help. We can't put them all under the same umbrella. We just can't. Especially when black lives are at stake. Young black lives, too. Right? But, uh, how's the phones? Go to the phones again? Let's do it. I love this discussion. Let's make it happen. Give me your height, your color. Oh, it's Dunbar. Give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. Dunbar, you still there or you done gone? 
Dunbar, what's up, man? Oh, I'm here, brother. I'm here. Give me your height, your color, and your hood, King. 5'9", Bob Marley Mocha, South Central L.A., born, bred, and raised, and still resides. South Central, check it in! Yeah, yeah, yeah! All right, what's on your mind, King? Oh, man, first, thank you for the topic. As always, very insightful and always on point. Um, you know what? I've 30 years I've been doing this, you know, retired law enforcement, and I will guarantee you this, and I will take this to my grave. A child that goes to a loving home will always end up better than being raised in the system. Come on. 150% proof. Yeah, some we have some success stories, no doubt, no doubt. But if that child has a choice of being raised by the system or being raised by a loving white family, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take all day that time. If they're going to give that child the love and the attention that they need as opposed to the system, you want the county, the state, or the federal government to raise our children like they're doing now. That child will. It's like throwing a bowling ball in the ocean. Mm. So, Dunbar, what's the problem? What's the problem with our people? Why are we criticizing white families for adopting black children? What is it about? I'm trying to understand. You know what, man? I'm gonna put it back to your aunt. If you ain't in the, if you don't have skin in the game, you need to get out or get involved. I'm telling you right now, my plea to all of you now: we have children. They are children that want and need families. They want, trust me. They don't want to be in the system. Being raised in the system, through my experience, interviewing, talking, and working with these kids, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be in a group home. They don't want to be in a foster home. They want a loving home like everybody else. Yes, they have problems. Yes, they have issues. The trauma that they have experienced is something that you and I don't ever, ever want to have or be uh, exposed to. And yet, all these kids want and deserve is a shot. If you, as we as family, if we want to raise our children, we need to take hold and raise them. Mm. Sponsor a child. Adopt a child. They're right here. You ain't got to go to Africa. My love for my uh our, our, father, our country, I mean, our, uh, the continent, but we have children right here in need, right here, plenty. And just give these children what they want, what they deserve, and what they need, and that's just a loving home. And if you can do that as a black parent, a black foster care, don't hate on these white people for uh, wanting to give our children love because God knows they need it. Yeah, I think what it is I'm is... I'm telling you right now, and I promise I'll be brief, these kids... Well, the chances of them surviving in the system right now, we are not equipped or able to raise our kids at the county, state level, county level, or the federal level. We just are not. It's too much. Yeah, too, too, too much. I, I think we African-Americans see it as a referendum on ourselves. Whenever we see white people who have treated us the way that they have in this country for 400 years here, and we see white people coming in rescuing, I'm doing air quotes right now, rescuing young black children, it makes us feel some type of way. And this is more about our problem with white people than anything else. You think that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But the thing is this, we can't look at them and say, why are you saving our children? We have to look at it, our children are being saved. You know, if our children are on a sinking boat, and if a, and if a lifeboat, if a white person is, is throwing the life server uh, and is able to rescue these children, you know what, that's not on them, that's on us. Mm. Because we need to be out here too rescuing them. We, not just the social workers, the probation officers, the law enforcement, and others that are doing a damn good job, but we need to step up our game as our foster mothers, like your aunt did. We need to provide homes for our children, because if not, I guarantee you, we see it right now, these streets will provide a home. And you know what's going to happen when these kids are raised in the streets. 
Yeah. That's what, it right now. that's what I'm trying to tell them. It's like, oh, y'all don't want white people to get them? All right. Let them stay in the system when they turn 18. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. That's it in a nutshell, brother. That's Good it. Good luck. All right, King. Hey, you got to run. The cops after you, man. Run. You must be part of the system. Run. One in one eight hundred nine two zero. By the way, that was call of the day. We haven't given call of the day in days, Miles. Come on, man. That that's call of the day. Even though I should have gave it to my family, but you know that's just yeah, that wouldn't. We give it to my family too. That's not conflict of interest to give it to my family too. Is, is that because you know I work here, and she calls Isn't a little it, bit, a little bit. Can we still we just still do it? A little nepotism. A little nepotism. You know what I'm saying? We gonna do it anyway, though. Aunt Linda, I love you. She used to bring my little nappy head down here. I used to be running around. We were in Carson. We were in Linwood. We were, <laughs> man, it was like so good. Like I said, getting out of Bakersfield is great because it was 120 degrees. Like, can I go to LA this summer too? Because I'm a white man in Bakersfield. That's how hot it is in Bakersfield. It's like, Lord, can we leave? It's, it's, it's burning up. And we would just do. My mother didn't have the financial means to do things. So when we came down here to Los Angeles, it was just like, oh, my God. Because, you know, they, they had more money than my mama. So I, I, I love them so much because they introduced me to things as a kid that I wouldn't have been able to do. And having my cutty Andre, rest in peace, King, uh, down here with me, my ride or die road dog, you know. And we just, uh, it was, man, I had a great childhood. I, you can still have a great childhood in a poor neighborhood. You can. You just got to have resources and people around you that care about your plight. And that kind of rides coincides with what we're talking about today. You need some angels on earth that are willing to grab you by your neck, by your collar, and say, come in. I hope you get that. And my Uncle Irwin knew my father was a piece. We won't get into that. Still is, by the way. But, you know. And my Uncle Irwin knew that. So he said, I'm going to take the paternal role in this young man's life. He saw something in me and said, that boy going to be something. I'm going to help him along. And he did that. And my Aunt Linda is just the, the sweetest person on earth. Her and my mama, they run neck and neck. But, but yeah. But you need people like that in your life. How many of you guys grew up without a father? But there was a man, or a woman for that matter, that grabbed you and said, I'll help you get there. I had some angels in my life just growing up, you know, not having a father around and my mother that was my mother had six kids, you know, single parent, trying to work, going to school, just trying to keep the lights on. You know, and, and people around you that just care about your plight and understand that the perils in the neighborhood, because we, you know, your boy grew up in the crack era and there was fathers getting addicted to crack cocaine. There was people stealing things in houses and we had all kind of crack houses in our neighborhood. It was like the height of the crack era, right? And to have angels around you that understood that you are not going to be a part of that. My friends started selling dope and stuff. And so I think everybody around me was like, Danny, please just don't, don't devolve into that type of nonsense, man. So I had a white guy, ironically, um, a mentor of mine grabbed me, started teaching me about Jesus Christ at the church there. And it was just like, like I said, my uncle Irwin and everybody, all these people around me just coalesced around your boy and said, not you, Danny. Not you. If they get the other ones, we can't save everybody. Not you. And I'm talking to y'all right now in Los Angeles with Tavis Smiley. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. You don't believe in God? And don't have me. Don't, don't man, start preaching up in there. You know I'll do it. I'm just saying. 
1-800-920-1580. News and traffic right now. Maybe we'll take some more phone calls. Trying to get to this 7 Series. We'll find out. Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. We got a lot to talk about. Making your middays meaningful. More of Danny Morrison straight ahead. This ain't your grandfather's talk radio. The conversation with Danny Morrison continues right now. Right now. KBLA Talk 1580 Middays with Danny Morrison. Who's that white guy in that commercial just now? Hi. For advertising, give KBLA a phone call. Who's that guy? And you can't make fun of the people who are paying money to KBLA. <laughs> I'm, talking oh, about, nah. I'm talking about you, Zucker. <laughs> that was you. Hi. For advertising, call KBLA. Who's that guy? Is your middle name Brad? What's that about? Mm-mm. What is your middle name? My middle name? Yeah. Salim. Salim? S-A-L-E-M. Salim. That's bomb. I love that. Look at you. Your mama is perfect, huh? Pretty, she pretty perfect, but uh, that was my dad's choice. He's an Islamic. So he the <laughs> Man, mom, I tried. <laughs> I tried to give you some old love. She picked Miles, though. She definitely picked Miles. Okay, okay. Miles Salim Lowe? Is that your birth name? I was going to say last name, but. Wait, what? That's <laughs> uh, not my last name, though. Okay. Okay. You don't want to put your government name out there? No, Farlow. 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 Oh, so for hip hop, you know, just. Miles. Well, I mean, I, I, I always shortened it when I was younger, yeah. Don't talk about short, man, when you were young. Don't do that. <laughs> Can we get into it? Do it. <laughs> All right, check it out. We're talking about adopting black children today, but we're also inside uh, doing some house cleaning. Can we do some? Hey, check it out. Uh, the Danny Mo Show podcast is officially live. Middays with Danny Morrison now streaming on demand through all socials and the KBLA Talk 1580 website via Futuri Media. Follow me on all socials at Danny Mo Show to see the daily streaming links posted for each episode of this broadcast in podcast form. And the episodes also are going to be uploaded to Middays with Danny Morrison page on the KBLA app and the KBLA website for easier access. It is fire. Stay close for additional information on the official database for the entire catalog of being told. Coming to other streaming opportunities real soon. Yesterday's episode on what we black progressive d- progressives demand, if I can say it, from the Democrats is already making the rounds all over the country. Getting some great streams on that thing. You got to check it out. It was a great broadcast yesterday. One of my most aggressive ones yet. And I meant every freaking word. You want to hear it yourself? It's the Danny Mo Show podcast, now streaming via Meta, Instagram, and Twitter. Also on the KBLA app and the KBLA website, too. Powered by Smiley Audio Media via Futuri Media. From KBLA Talk 1580, got a lot to talk about and stream about. And big announcement announced yesterday. You can win tickets to see Eldebard switch DW3 and friends at the Globe Theater on Middays with Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. It's Sunday, December 19th, 2021. You can spend the holiday with the legendary Elder Barge and Switch for this first ever reunion concert in a tribute to Bobby DeBarge, who lost his life recently. It's a historic event taking place at the iconic Globe Theater in Los Angeles. Limited tickets are available. Cocktail tables for up to four to eight people are available. There's also general admission standing only available also. You'll have chances to win a pair of tickets to see Elder Barge switch DW3 middays with Danny Morrison all the way up until showtime. And they gave me a bunch of pears. Bunch of pear or a bunch of pears? Not the fruit. How do you say that? Is a bunch of pears? Y'all get the point. To the big event. If you want tickets to the show, here's what you need to do. We already got people calling in. I want you to do it. Okay? 
I want you to download the KBLA app. I want you to access the open mic feature at the bottom of the page, right? As soon as you get in there, then. It's got to catch this time, though. I want you to, one, I want you to tell me where to go. Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. And I want you to also tell me why seeing Elder Barge and Switch and DW3 will be the perfect Christmas gift for you and your loved ones. Be specific. Leave your email address, too, just in case we choose you. Okay? You just might get selected to see the historic concert event with one of my favorite artists of all time, L. DeBarge. RDMJ Entertainment presents Soulful Sundays Live with L. DeBarge, Switch, DW3, and Friends. Sunday, December 19th, 2021. Show starts at 5 p.m. For more information or to purchase tickets, head to ctickets.us or eventbrite.com. We got a lot to talk about. And some tickets, too. We up against it? All right, let me get a couple more things in. Uh, tap into the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just want to uh, correct you real quick. I don't mean to correct you on the air, but you got to correct Danny Morrison on the air sometimes. Absolutely, y'all. please do. It was Tommy DeBarge who oh just Oh, my died. God. That's my bad. That's my bad. Wrong DeBarge, my bad. I'm sorry. Tommy DeBarge is the one that lost his life. Sorry. Um, make sure you tap into the KBLA socials all day, every day. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Like, share, comment, follow. Most importantly, tell your friends and family to do the same. We would appreciate it. And as I said, download the app. The numbers are going through the roof. We would love for you to do the same. iOS or Android, it don't matter. Make it happen, Captain. And use the open mic feature like I said. Okay? Is that everything? Did I make any more mistakes today? Lordy. Huh? Are we good? When we come forward. We'll continue the discussion. I might get into the seven series. We shall see. Hello, time? Well, shoot. Let's just get into it. Check it out. All right? We're discussing whether or not you have issue with white families adopting black children. Are you okay with white families adopting black children? What's your first thought when you see white families in a black child? If you have concerns, what is your main concern when it happens? Also, What is the deal with us African-Americans not being willing to adopt our own children? Is it financial? Is it cultural? I think we dismantled those excuses today. And were you surprised as I was that darker-skinned black children are adopted at a lower rate than lighter-skinned children? A queen called earlier on and said, look, we got colorism within our community. How dare we get mad at white people for doing the same thing? And lastly, do you know anyone... Any white families out there that have adopted a black child, perhaps you were that family listening, perhaps you were that child that was adopted. What advice would you give to anyone that is considering adoption in the future? Is it as complicated as some say it is, or is the struggle worth it in the end? Holla at your boy, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. But let's spark up the 7 Series. I think we could get through it in 17 minutes. You've heard me criticize those of us that want to castigate white people that take the time to adopt us while we sit on the sidelines and refuse to do it ourselves. And this is sadly a trend for us as a people on occasion. There are times where we sit on our collective perches and throw stones, but not have the collective stones ourselves to follow through and get the job done. And today, I'll give you a few examples. My seven series today is seven instances where we African-Americans need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. 1-800-920-1580. Seven instances where we African-Americans need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. Number one, you already know what it's going to be. That is shopping black. Come on now. I ain't going to beat it over your head today. We ain't got time. But you knew that would be the first one. Listen. 
I talk about it practically every day on this show. But I will add one specific tidbit to the discussion. There are currently 2.6 million Black-owned businesses in America, where 8 out of 10 fail within their first 18 months due to lack of resources and funds. That's 80% of them fail within the first year and a half. And 80% of black business owners say that their number one challenge is access to capital. Why? We already know that there's racism interwoven all throughout all these banks in America. So as I always say, we need to help us help us. Buy black as much as you possibly can. I think I'm around. I ain't 20%, but I ain't 10. I'm, so, I'm in the teens, I think. I'm trying to tabulate the best I can every month. But that is the first instance where we African-Americans need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. Here's number two. We got time to get you number two real fast. Number two, get out the vote. Come on. Come on. I've been calling an apologist on this show. He's like, Danny's always apologizing for black people. No, 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 no. We have real talk on this broadcast. We do. Do I take up for us all the time? Yeah, and always will. But third time, we just got to talk to each other. Have some real talk about what really ails us as a community. And guess what? We're not infallible as a people, man. There's certain times we just got to say what we need to say to each other. Getting out to vote is one of them. I was telling Miles yesterday that the main reason I always vote and stay immersed within the electoral and political process is simply because people have died for me to have the right to do so. Period. And even if I don't like the candidates and any of the initiatives on the ballot, I find a reason to do so. I just do. Because we are the most important voting bloc in the country. We are the perpetual swing vote. And let's not forget, the Republicans are working to snatch our voting rights away right now, all throughout the South, right now, in real time, right now. Your vote doesn't matter. Somebody needs to tell them they don't care. That's why we got to get out the vote right now. General elections and midterms, by the way. And maybe we can bring up the next wave of black politicians that refuse to succumb to big business like a lot of them have. And that is the second instance where we African-Americans need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. Other than adopting black children, by the way. 1-800-920-1580. We continue on the other side. Middays with Danny Morrison. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. We know you have options, but thank you, thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Unapologetically progressive radio. Black owned and operated from the heart of Lumert Park, USA. From the heart of Lumert Park, USA. We're listening and the convo continues Right now. right now. KBLA Talk 1580 Middays with Danny Morrison talking about adopting black children. Case in point, going to the socials right now. I've been neglecting the socials today. We need to get a couple in here. Clint Westhood, which is the best name on Instagram, by the way. He says, I'm totally against it. They only adopt black kids to play white savior and further cause a divide between black you and black adults, black youth, I'm assuming. Only black couples should be adopting black children. I, in, in a perfect world, yeah. 
<laughs> King, I'm sorry. We don't live in a utopia. If we lived in a utopia, it'd be great, right? There just aren't enough black families stepping up to the plate. What do you want? What do you want us to do? So what are you guys saying? The If a black child doesn't have a black couple step up and adopt him or her, we should just have that child languish in foster homes all throughout their adolescence. Is that, is that the answer? You know, we like to complain. Give me the alternative. If I said nobody non-black can adopt any black children in America starting today, I'm president. Nobody black, non-black can adopt any black children in America. And then I want you to go ahead and take a little walk through a youth facility here in America. Which, by the way, the ones that I've been through, ah, predominantly black, yo. What you gonna tell them kids? Huh? Deal with it? Is that what you're gonna tell them? We can't do that. You know we can't do that. Huh? There's certain times you're gonna have to be multicultural. This is one of them times. Stop it. And like I've said, you want a you want a firsthand perspective. Take a walk through one of them facilities, and what them kids are going through, through no fault of their own, by the way. Just happen to have some parents that went through some turmoil in their lives, which, by the way, probably knew no fault of their parents either. You don't know what the circumstances are. All I know is I see an African American child, a bunch of them, here with no home, and you're mad that Becky and Brad came in and took them home. Stop. 1-800-920-1580. Middays with Danny Morris for KBLA Talk 1580. We got a lot to talk about. Middays with Danny Morris. It continues when we come forward. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. Middays with Danny Morris for KBLA Talk 1580. Talking about adopting black children. Just really great. Phone calls and DMs and perspectives today, y'all. I really appreciate when we have a serious topic such as this one, we actually come in and have a serious discussion about it with no nonsense. And y'all did it today. I'm out of time. I cannot finish this seven series. There's no way. And I apologize for doing that. You know, we'll have a longer show at some point. <laughs> Check it out, though. I gotta give you a couple of them though. Where do we stop? Two? <laughs> Okay, we're doing seven instances where we African-Americans need to take the lead for the betterment of our people. I'll tell you what, I'll give you six and seven. How about that? Here's number six. Trust each other. I, I don't have time to go off on a rant because you know I will. Be glad that I don't have time. We trust white people more than we trust ourselves. We do. We will do business with white people faster than we would ourselves. Why is it that they always say, um, uh, I, the, some of the people I know, I don't want to say everybody, <laughs> that the white man's ice is always colder than the black man's ice. Y'all ever heard that phrase? Huh? Why do we in our community say that sometimes? Right? We have to get past that. I challenge us to extend an olive branch to a black person that you've never worked with and collaborate with them on some level. It didn't have to be business-wise either. It could be like a community project. I don't know why we in, in Los Angeles here don't do that more. I'm going to tell you something I told a friend of mine from my hometown just the other day. Because I was like, I get to go to a far more liberal city in Los Angeles. I'm so excited about it because, you know, I've been in Trump country for a long time just beating them over the head, making sure they understand that Black Lives Matter. One of the very few voices in that entire area that were doing that, by the way. 
And it's so nice to come to L.A., you know. You know, black people come together. There's an entire black community that I cannot wait to immerse myself in. Come to find out some of the same ills that were facing the black community in my hometown are the same things happening here. A reluctance to trust each other. I thought L.A. was going to be better at it. I think it's more of a black thing than a, a, a regional thing. We got to do better with that. Trust each other. Here's number seven. This applies to Miles a little bit. We need to listen to young people. We were discussing sometime last week that we are older African-Americans tend to talk at young kings and queens instead of to them. We also tend to over-talk them and treat them like they have no clue what they're talking about, especially when it comes about life. We go, you know what you're talking about, young book? You don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm here to tell you, as someone that works to stay in front of the youth movement, we are losing their respect every single day. Every day. Let's not forget that this is the only generation in history that will be doing worse than the generation before it. Yeah, Gen X, that's us. We dropped the ball. We have dropped the ball on multiple levels, actually. They also see the societal mistakes that we made in our efforts to chase the American dream. You can make the case now. You ain't got to go to college. But we've been feeding them for a long time. You don't go to college, you're nothing. If you don't get that education, you're going to fall short and be a bum. We've told them all that. Meanwhile, a lot of people I know, shackled with student debt trying to get out from under it. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach for these young people. They have found more ways than we ever could to capitalize on the American dollar. We need to start listening. It's listening time. Give these young people an ear and respond accordingly. And maybe we can meet in the middle and help them ascend in some way, whatever way they see fit, though. This is about their world. It's about to be their world soon. Millennials are the biggest voting block right now. And they deserve a seat at the table. Cool? I'm out the door. Uh, the D.L. Hughley Afternoon Show is up next, y'all. I will see y'all tomorrow. Keep it on KBLA Talk 1580. Good luck. God bless. Gone. Y'all be good. You heard? KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.